Welcome to the Sparkcom podcast, where we talk about innovation trends and what's coming next. My name is Manny Turan. And I'm Adam Hartung. And we're Spark Partners. Go to our website, sparkpartners.com, to learn about what we do and how we can help your business grow. So Adam, I, uh, as a young boy, you know, I went to engineering school and I was fascinated by innovation in the uh, technology side. I, I loved uh, to marry the idea of technology and business. I went out and got a degree in mechanical engineering and essentially uh, in one way or another lived my childhood passion of becoming an entrepreneur in the technology space. And I really appreciated and learned a lot about uh, technology business innovators like um, Edison, like Henry Ford. And I really, uh, you know, these are old school innovators, right? And I also learned about people that were not good in business. Again? You put Tesla in there. You just you only use the names of the popular ones. Well, the thing is, uh, Tesla, although he was a brilliant scientist, he was not a good business guy. Yeah. And really, if you look at what Tesla did from the from the beginning, many even say that he was the the, the driver behind the, the the popularization of electricity because he was all about alternating current, and of course, Edison was about direct current. And so I really, I, I looked at that as a young boy, I must've been 10 years old. And I thought to myself, okay, here's Edison, you know, 1200 patents and never slept and all that. He had this whole way about, uh, I don't know if you were familiar, he'd actually hold something in his hand while he fell asleep. And when he let it go, that was his signal to, to, to wake up. It'd fall on the ground and all that. He had a bell in his hand. But anyway, I looked at Tesla and I thought, you know, Nikola Tesla, of course, not the car Tesla. And I thought to myself, wow, this is a great scientist, but unless you're able to apply your, your science technology to the world in a, in a, in a business way, you're not going to get it out there. And so that was my, my young start at being a technology entrepreneur. And ever since then, I've been really looking at, you know, my whole family was uh, entrepreneurs. My grandmother, uh, who's still alive and doing very well up until a few years ago, had, had a restaurant. And she taught me as a young boy to, to make sure that your, your business is making money. She taught me a lot about value delivery, as we talk in, in our um, podcast, in our course. But she also taught me about value proposition. And so I came from a long, li uh, long line of entrepreneurs. And it kind of brings me to the topic today, which is an entrepreneur who really started uh, a major brand that is across the world and is growing day by day, soon to become uh, you know, the biggest company by revenue and consuming uh, just mountains of, of, of opportunities to take it to the top. And that's, of course, Amazon and Jeff Bezos, who is just recently stepped down as the CEO. And my question is, why would he do that now? Well, I don't know the man personally. Uh, I don't think I've ever even met him. But we can surmise and make some educated guesses. Um, for one thing, we all don't live forever. Uh, he was fairly recently divorced and he's been reattached. And it's an opportunity uh, for him to think about doing some things in his personal life. I'm sure that the growing Amazon, it was uh, all consuming for he and his wife. And he probably, uh, there's a lot of things he didn't do in his personal life. He may wish that he had done. I'm going to do that. Uh, the second thing could well be that he has some personal passions. Like uh, we know he loves space. And uh, he, he doesn't have the time to devote to his space program that he would like. Uh, so this gives him an opportunity to do that. 
The third thing is uh, Bill Gates, uh, we could make a case, had more impact on the world as a philanthropist than he did by creating Microsoft. And that's a big statement because Microsoft changed the world. And yeah. so, but, but Bill Gates has really done a lot for humanity and a lot for the world. And, and he's been a game changer as a philanthropist. And, and uh, of course, he's one of the very few that can compare his wealth with Jeff Bezos. So these are at least three things I could think of off the top of my head that might be attracting Bezos to say, I'm going to step away from day-to-day -day management of Amazon and go forward and do some other things. My idea is, though, he'll do something that's interesting. Oh, I, there's no doubt. And there's no doubt. There's one thing about Jeff that's interesting that a lot of people may not know. There's actually two things that I want to share with, with our listening audience here. Uh, the first of which is that he doesn't wake up at four in the morning like uh, some of the CEOs that, that are out there of uh, Fortune 500 companies. He wakes up at 9.30 or 10 in the morning. He makes it a point to lay in bed and think about things and not rush his mornings. He's been known to do that for, for many years. The second thing about Jeff Bezos is that he spent $40 million plus dollars to create and build and manufacture a 10,000-year clock, mechanical clock. And the idea behind this clock is it helps us as, as finite human beings realize and recognize that our impact and our thinking should not be short order, but should be for the long term. And so I find that fascinating to build a 10,000 year mechanical clock that will, will be standing here uh, presumably for the next 10,000 years. I believe it ticks once every year. Wow. But you know, that's a characteristic I think we see in some of our most famous entrepreneurs is that ability to think long term. I know that I interact with a lot of entrepreneurs that are very, very busy thinking about what they have to do right now. I mean, even like today, right now, or right now this week, or right now this month. And, and some that just don't even have a one year time window. Everything is compacted into a very short period of time. But if we look at what Bezos has done, you know, it, it, he looked long term. And we can compare that with, you know, Gates. Gates and Jobs were a couple of guys that sat down at the beginning of the personal computer era, as we know it, but they were looking at computing technology and new, micro, new microprocessors, new uh, Gatorades for, for memory. And they were saying, where's this going to go? Where's it going to lead, right? And then they sat there and they built for the long term. And I'm sure, you know, they're very busy managing day to day. But they built for the long term. Uh, you know, Jobs, by the way, you know, sat there and did the same thing. He took the technology over. How could we apply the uh, technology of megaflops and what was happening in the risk world, RASC computing world, where he, you know, and he got into, well, let's get into graphics. And that was Pixar, right? And that changed how uh, animated movies were made. And then he yeah. came back, you know, to Apple and he said, well, what's the long-term vision for mobile? Where's that going to go? Where's, where's that headed, right? And he, and he gets yet a third bite of the apple here, taking a look long-term at, at what's going on in those markets. And I think too many of our entrepreneurs don't do that. They don't take the time to really think long-term, where's this going? You know, I love to use that analogy of a river where I say that if you're on the trends, then it's just going to take you along. And that's where your, you, your business needs to be. You should be thinking that if I'm in the right place, it will organically grow. Giant, uh, giant oak trees from acorns grow, right? So are you planting acorns that are going to, you know, the, the, the trends are going to give them the nutrition and they're going to grow naturally on their own? Or are you just thinking you're going to force whatever it is you have to grow? Yeah. <laughs> you're going to make it grow no matter what. And if you're doing that, you're working yourself to death, but you're not getting the output. We need to think about how do we get more out for what we put in. We want maximum out for the minimal input. And then think long-term allows you to get into that groove. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it reminds me of uh, an event I went to last night. I went to Top Golf, and uh, I'm not a golfer, uh, uh, although I'm thinking about getting into it because it sounds fun. And uh, but anyway, I went to Top Golf, and uh, I was really whacking that ball. I was hitting as hard as I could because the guys I was worth with they were just effortlessly hitting that ball and it was going all the way to the end. Right. And I'm sitting here slamming it and I'm a, I'm a pretty tall guy and I'm just hitting it with all I got. And, and it wasn't going as far as it was. And one of the guys leaned over, he's probably, I don't know, five, eight, five, seven. And, and he was hitting it really far. And he said, look, you got, you got to not really hit it as hard. You got to just hit it smart. You got to, and he kind of helped me position myself. And, and then I hit the ball and it was like magic. I didn't hit it that hard but I just hit it just right. And that thing went all the way to the end and it, it felt effortless. It felt as though, uh, you know, it was a flow state. And, and I believe that in, as entrepreneurs, we get in the mindset in the incorrect mindset of, I got to take my, my nose to the grindstone day in, day out. And what happens is when your face is in the, the, the grindstone, you don't see the world around you. You don't see the trends that are happening and shifting around you. I mean, how many times have we talked to business owners, Adam, that are, uh, just hell bent on getting their business off the ground where unfortunately it's a realization that they don't want to re they don't want to see that nobody wants to buy their stuff. Right. It's crazy. Right. I mean, if you watch the professional golfers, one, you know, one of them in particular is Rory McIlroy. I don't think Rory McIlroy is more than five foot 10 inches tall and uh, he probably weighs half what I weigh. I wouldn't be surprised. And uh, the young man can hit a golf ball with a driver, 330 yards. And it looks effortless when he does it. And again, that's because he's sitting there saying, how do I get the max out for what I put in? You know, so he practices his swing, not to see how hard can I hit the ball, but rather to say, how do I get the maximum out for what I put in? And that's where I think our entrepreneurs need to take the time to really say, okay, how am I going to get the max out for what I put in here, right? Not can I force it to happen? Not can I by the will of my back in the hardness of my fists make this happen but rather if you're if you're working really hard and you're not getting the goods out of the other end you know rethink this thing sit back and say what would make it work what, you know how would it happen um, a lot of entrepreneurs get into business because they have a passion for something and in a way that can be a real curse if you perhaps say have a passion for motorcycles and say ah, i love motorcycles and so i want to combine that and make a living at it i'm going to buy a motorcycle dealership and then the next thing you know you're working seven days a week and you're trying to figure out how to make money and sell a few more motorcycles for honda or yamaha or one of these other brands and uh you know try to take care of your service and and you're working really, really hard, but you know, you're not necessarily making the outcome, the, the profits that you like. And in fact, you might not even have time to go out and ride your motorcycle yourself the way you used to ride it as a hobby. And so that's when you have to step back and say, wait a minute, what, what should I be doing here? How do I, how do I get more out of this? You know, maybe you should be in motorcycle transportation, or maybe you should get into, you know, some kind of supporting of racing or something. You know, what could you do that you could get more out for the amount of energy that you're putting in? And that's where Bezos and uh, these uh, entrepreneurs that we've talked about um, have been so successful. By taking that long-term view, they'll sit there and say, hey, you know, how, what am I putting in and what am I going to get out, right? And so Bezos says, I'm in the internet and that's going to drive my business. And how do I keep trying to be where the internet's trying to take me? How do I keep trying to go to the next place? So if I can sell books, Maybe I could sell something else. What would the something yeah. else be, you know? And how could I try to make this thing work better than that thing? So he's thinking, you know, down the road, how do I make this more successful? How do I get the most out? 
for what I put in. Uh, Richard Branson is one of my favorite entrepreneurs. And, you know, he started a lot of businesses. He's a very, very wealthy man now. Uh, he's done so many different things. It's hard to, to just kind of put him into any one particular box. But one thing that's been true about him in his personal life is he takes vacations, big vacations, three yeah. weeks, four weeks at a time. He gets in a balloon and you know, goes around the world yeah. at 30,000 feet. And you say, wait a minute, I know entrepreneurs that can't take one day off. Right. That should be a, a telltale sign to uh, those entrepreneurs and, and business owners out there and executives. If you can't take a day off because your company will come off the, the, the rails, there's something fundamentally wrong with what you're doing. That's right. We're not talking about necessarily the value delivery component, although that's pretty big, right? Uh, if you're an operations person, of course, you're, you're expected to be the head of operations. But you should be able to build an organization that is, in, in, a, in a way, effortless, that you're not having to uh, cram, you know, 15-hour, 16-hour days in order to the, keep the lights on. There's something wrong there. And people have a hard time, including myself, when I ran a company for eight years, we have a hard time looking in the mirror and looking at ourselves saying, okay, I'm in the wrong business. It's a hard pill to swallow. But I guarantee, just like the Matrix, once you swallow that right pill, the, the, the blue pill, I believe, you're able to actually see things that are uh, way different and have a true sense of reality and then make the adjustment. Because at the end of the day, we do have one life and we should uh, have a, an ability to enjoy it by, by uh, being at the helm of a company that is successful because it's aligned with an emerging and a continuing trend. If you're working all these hours, it is a pretty clear indicator that you're spending too much time trying to tweak and improve your value delivery system. Instead of saying, wait a minute, to the customer. And when you talk about Jeff Bezos, you know, taking the time in the morning, or we could talk about Larry Ellison, who, you know, famous sailor that loved to go out and, and sail and uh, actually got into America's Cup sailing and won the America's Cup. What they're saying with their behavior isn't that they're sloppy or lazy. What they're saying is I take time to think. When I think about competition. I think about where things are headed. You know, it's far more important that you put your boat in the right river, right, than you know how to row hard. Because if you, if you put your boat in the wrong river, you're going to wear yourself out. But if you put your boat in the right river and you go down the river easily, you don't have to row hard. And that's what I think these guys are, are telling us. They're telling us in a very real way, are you in the right place? Are you doing the right thing? I, I'll never forget the story about how when Steve Jobs was asked to come back and take over at Apple, he walked into what was effectively the Mac company. It was the Macintosh company. It was one product company. It had several variations of that one product. And uh, of course, this was a product that he birthed, right? He birthed the Lisa, which then you know transformed into the Macintosh. And then he eventually got fired over it. But he comes back. So you think, oh, okay, he's going to come back and he's going to fix his baby back up. And instead, what he said was, you know what? We lost that war. We had that war. We lost that war. And he stopped development on the Macintosh. And he said, what are we going to do next? Right. And that's when he figured out, hey, we got to go after mobile. That's where the next big thing yeah. is. Keeping the fight in Microsoft's, that's not going to get us there. And he, tra he shifts the resources of the organization. He says, hey, let's go over. Let's chase the mobile wave. And that's, you know, that's being thoughtful. That's sitting there saying, instead of doing more of what I always did, banging my head on the wall, trying to make sure I get it done, how do I get my boat in the right river? How do I get to the right place where I'm, I'm going to get the most out for the for the, what I put in? It's, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. 
what I've learned in the past, uh, we'll say three years of, of really taking the idea of, of mindfulness to heart and really understanding uh, my own thinking process is that your brain, your thinking process uh, is your own worst enemy. Just, just, I mean, I, I can say this right now, your thinking is your own worst enemy. Your thinking is going to get you wrapped around the axle and, and thinking that, okay, I've got to do this because uh, this is my father or my mother's company. And I just have, it doesn't work that way. The way you actually get past all that is to realize that you, you are not your thinking and I might be getting too philosophical here, but you are not your thinking. Your thinking is there to serve you, who is actually in the, uh, you know, the brain inside the driver's seat, and your thinking is a driver's seat. So I guess what I'm saying here is that the people like, like Jeff Bezos and, and uh, Steve Jobs and others uh, make it a point to spend time thinking beyond their, uh, their usual thinking. Like you said, walking into Apple, Steve Jobs, didn't go back and try to resurrect and pull up arms like he did before. He realized that there was a new trend that was brewing and growing in, in what would become uh, the market leader of the uh, mobile revolution. And they sure. continue to innovate in that space. And there, there'll probably be a time in the future where Apple will not be the most valuable uh, company in the world, where they will no longer have that place because there's other innovators out there right now that are, uh, that are vying for that role. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, another lesson we can take away from Bezos is um, not getting hung up on your mistakes. Uh, the Amazon fire was a disaster. You know, they launched a mobile phone and they launched a tablet. Very, very few people ever saw one. Um, I did get one and it was a magical kind of a product because when you opened it up it said oh hi Adam and it knew all of my history of buying on Amazon and it was absolutely the best possible tool for being an Amazon customer the problem was I didn't want a phone to be a great Amazon customer right I, that that technology of a, of a tablet or a phone I had multiple uses for and so uh, I was really looking for a lot of other things I could do and a lot of other apps that I would want to have so it fails but you know it, it was almost like it didn't even matter it's like, oh, that failed. Walk away. Keep going. You know, we made a mistake. Don't, you know, don't beat ourselves up over that. And let's keep going. And, and that leads me to another story that I always like to talk about with Walmart, which is now what has been the largest revenue company in North America, will probably be surpassed this year by Amazon. It'll become the largest revenue company. And Walmart, years ago, you know, like 25, 30 years ago, was the number one user of computer technology on the planet, as far as we know. Their server farms, their mainframe farms, and their supercomputer farms were bigger than the federal government. And as far as we know, bigger than anything that existed in the Soviet Union or China. So here's this massive uh, computer, and what they're doing is they're figuring out how to run their logistics system. They're looking at demand, you know, what demand's happening at the stores, what's happening with the, where their inventory is on trucks and distribution centers. They're looking at their purchase rate, their order rate, their incoming rate, scheduling of trucks in with, ROM, with, with products from, uh, from suppliers, tr scheduling trucks to go out to stores, all this kind of stuff. So they're, and they're looking at customer purchases. They got all this data, and they're doing all this analytics, and they were the world's best. That's how they built Walmart. But that technology I just told you about, you didn't know about it. Why? Because they thought, oh, we've got this technology. We've created this technology and we have to use this technology to whoop everybody, right? Compare that with what they did at Amazon. They start creating all this technology, thinking about knowing the customer, knowing how we're going to interact. And they start building up what, you know, how does this network work? How do I get all this information? And then they said, 
wow, if we've got all this great technology, why don't we make it available to everyone else? And they create AWS. And if you want to go create an electronic commerce site and you want to compete with Amazon, you can use their technology base, right? They don't say, oh, we've got to keep it tight, whoop everybody. They opened it up, made it available to other people. So again, that's another way of noticing kind of the way Bezos thinks. He says, well, you know, do I need to keep it tight to me? Do I need to keep all this a secret? Or would I be better off if, in fact, I said, this is really good, and I leveraged it and let other people use parts of it and let them see what they can do while I keep going forward with what all of my businesses are. These yeah, are people don't realize that. Yeah, the a, lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs don't think that way. No, they don't realize the the market is so massive. The world market for all products and services is I read it the other day. I think it's uh, about a hundred trillion dollars that is out there uh, circulating in the global market, and it's not going down. It's growing. The more people join the economy that are being born, uh, that of course the birth rate is higher than the death rate. So we are growing as as a, as a world. Um, that that economy is going to grow, and there's opportunities, like you said, with with uh, respect to Amazon, they are empowering legions and billions and billions of potential competitors. Every person out there that is that wants to stand up a, a shop to sell, I don't know, coffee mugs, in, in a sense is competing against Amazon and, and if they're going to sell electronics or whatever. And so they, that's brilliant move by Jeff Bezos and by others that are in that same space. You know, part of this is how do you get outside your mind, right? Like you were saying, Thinking is the worst thing you can do. And, and I have to tell you, as somebody who has an MBA, when I first got out of business school, I think I, for, the, for 10 years after I got out of business school, that all I could think about was how things could go wrong because I had been taught how to do financial analysis and operational analysis, and it was looking for the problems. And then you look for the problems, try to solve them. And, and the world very much just looked like a lot of problems. And so you would say, well, I, you know, I, yeah, maybe I could go down to something in electric commerce, but, but I don't know enough about the technology. And I don't know enough about the customer. I need, you know, maybe I'll study on that. And, and you get that whole, you know, paralysis, analysis paralysis, right, from studying too much. And so part of what we have to do as entrepreneurs is we have to say, wait a minute, what's the big themes and how do I, you know, get to the big themes? So how do I get out of my own mind? And, and sometimes you need a tool, right? You need you, the two things that can help. One, are you interacting with people that, that can really give you just in a totally different point of view? You know, and frequently we don't do that. We interact with people who support our thinking or think yeah, like of course. So, you know, are you finding a way to interact with people, maybe some old friends that are in totally different businesses or different walks of life, or, you know, somebody that you've done business with in the past, or somebody that you, you know, are you in some kind of a group, you know, or a networking group where you can, you know, tell people what you're doing and, and then be open-minded to listen to their feedback. And then the second thing is, are you doing things? Are you picking up tools that push you to get outside your box, right? And, and very few people do that. Very, most people are like, how do I want to, if I want to buy a book, I want it to tell me how to be better, faster, and cheaper. If I'm going to get a workshop on better, faster, and cheaper, right. I want to know what I'm going to get at the end of this. I want it to pay off immediately. And so that's where they tend to kind of go, but that's, you're still trapped in your box. You're still exactly. trapped in your mind, trapped in your thinking. Well, I would imagine that most of the listeners to our podcast here, uh, are aware of that and are trying to uh, learn and consume information so that they can make their own uh, decisions on their thinking. 
And, you know, I really love uh, that we talk about uh, so much unconventional wisdom. There, there's conventional wisdom out there, uh, the way that things are, quote unquote, supposed to be. But sometimes those don't serve us. And, and really, it, it takes a, a perspective outside of a, a working system, system to understand how it works. And that's a lot about what we talk about in our course, Think Innovation. A lot of unconventional wisdom things are possible uh, as the way to make uh, a business successful is the way that it's got to be done to be successful. Uh, okay. I know that you spent, uh, what, 12,000 uh, key studies over, what, 20 years looking at this yeah. stuff. And there's a lot there that, that has been developed. Uh, well, you know, a lot of people think that you're going to go buy a planning tool. It needs to be, uh, you know, like dominoes, A, B, C, D. You knock over one, knock over the second, knock over the other. It's a domino approach. And the problem with that is where do you get the insight? right? That's going to inevitably stay. Whatever I started with is going to go down that row of dominoes is pre-set up. And I think the beautiful part about what we're trying to do is say each one of the 28 modules is an opportunity for an insight. It's an opportunity to step outside your mind and the way of thinking and say, how could I get some insight? How could I look at trends in a different way? Look at competitors in a different way. Look at markets in a different way. Look at disruptions in a different way. The vast majority of people looked at the COVID-19 pandemic when it came along as a disruption that was going to hurt them, right? Because they said, how do I protect my business from the pandemic? And what we were driving for in all of our podcasts, and we, and we drive for this in the course, is to say, how do you look at that not as you know, the death, but look at it as the opportunity? What's going to happen here in these next few days in, these, in, the, in this transition period and this disruption? How is that going to allow me to operate differently? How can it push me in a different direction? Exactly. Um, you know, for years, the kind of work I did, I had to be near an airport because, man, I had to get on a plane almost every week and go somewhere, work with my clients. I'm looking out two, three years in the future and I'm saying, how much more? I'm, gonna, I'm probably never going to go back to that. Yeah, it, it's all changed. Yeah, absolutely. Well, why would somebody want to pay for all those plane tickets and hotel rooms and meals I had to eat out on the road? They had to pay for all that to get me to show up, to have my atoms there for a certain period of time. Well, now I can get 90% of that with, you know, some kind of a, of a tech, remote technology. Doesn't mean there aren't times and places where face-to-face and you know, you want to do a little bit of whiteboarding and perhaps, uh, you know, you need to, you know, have a few people in a room so that you could play off each other. That, yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, there'll be moments like that. And, 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 you know, we talk about this. Uh, we're not going to go back to the same way. It'll be a, something new, something different. And the, the sooner we uh, agree and adapt to that, the sooner we'll actually uh, get ourselves to that next level in our business. So then you start saying, do I need to live in an L.A. or a San Francisco or can I go somewhere else? Right. And I think the course can help people think that through. Absolutely. Uh, so with that, we're going to we're going to sign up for today. Go to our website, sparkpartners.com. Uh, sign up for uh, uh, alerts on our podcast here. And uh, with that, I bid you farewell, Adam, and we'll talk to you uh, next week. Thanks a lot, Manny. Take care.